Down to Chat is brought to you by Swag.com. We are going to be talking more about employee retention in this podcast. And I think one of the super important parts of keeping employees is making them feel valued. Um, It's core to company culture. It's core to making people feel welcome. And so many brands pull out this janky old swag uh, that people don't want to keep. Swag.com is exciting because they carry thousands of incredible products from custom tech to apparel like North Face and Yeti and Nike and so much more. Swag.com works with 5,000 companies like Amazon, Netflix, Spotify, TikTok, Google, Apple, and a whole bunch of small startups. Um, what the most exciting thing for Swag, the most exciting thing for me on Swag.com is that you can create these custom gift templates where when somebody joins your company, they fill out a form. Uh, they go into on, onto this landing page. I know Cody's a big landing page guy. Hop on a landing page and you can actually, you know, brand this landing page. And it feels like your company's swag selection page, which is absolutely awesome. And you can ship 50 different swag boxes to 50 different addresses all on their site. So excited for that. Uh, if, you, if you use promo code D2C10 at checkout, you get 10% off your first order. Um, check it out, swag.com. You know, it's really about like content being entertaining. So how do we create entertaining content or or content that people actually look forward to clicking? And so that's kind of where that performance branding started was how can we build brand equity on the back of our working performance dollars? And so we're not sacrificing brand or what the story of the brand is, but we're also not sacrificing our paid media numbers. You know, that tactic worked out really well at Hint, and uh, it's worked out well ever since. There we are. Well, hey, all. Um, this is exciting. We've been talking about this for a hot minute, but welcome to Down to Chat D2C. Uh, I'm Eli Weiss, co-host Cody Ploff. Um, well, here's the premise. So we are inspired by podcasts like My First Million, where people just sit around and shoot the shit, conversations that you feel like you wish you were in the room. Um, and we know there's a ton of podcasts in D2C, not many with people that are operating. I think about a tweet I read today saying, you know, D2C people saying we're in the trenches, but we're just clickety clackety on the keyboard. And, and that had me had me cracking. I think it's it's just a ton of fun to to talk to people that we are friends with or operators in the same space that we know and respect and that's the gist of it so thanks for thanks for joining yes thanks for everyone tuning in and we've got a great guest here today you probably know him the dtc guy nick sharma i'm not going to get into his his whole background because if you're if you don't know who this guy is you probably are not in dtc uh he's literally the dtc guy writes an amazing newsletter operates sharma brands um Nick, well, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Excited to chat with you today, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Dude, the premise, the reason why we had Nick, so Cody and I were in Miami a couple of weeks back for Geek Out, um, and we were having a chat with Nick, and the conversation became like, what is it about Miami Nick that's just entirely different energy than New York Nick? And I think it's just, you know, Nick unguarded, Nick Nick unfiltered, Nick that you pay money to, to listen to, and that's, yeah, that's, that's really kind of the energy. Is. That's what we're here for. That's the energy we're bringing today. Miami, exactly. We might not even talk All about right, so I'm in consumer. New York, but we're gonna pretend I'm not in New York right now. Hundred percent. Let's uh, let's hop into it, Cody. Yeah, let's go, uh, guys. On this show, we're gonna go like no long bios, no backstories, no horoscopes. Like we don't care about your sign, Nick. 
we just want to get straight into it, all right? He does give off Leo. He gives off Leo energy. How do we know for a match, Cody? <laughs> all right, Nick, what's what's going on, man? What's what's on your mind? What are you excited about right now in DTC? Um, let's see. I'm excited about honestly everything. Um, you know, I told you guys in Miami, I just bought a brand. Um, so that has been, um, you know, I can say it's a brand that's been around for a handful of years. It's got, you know, a couple hundred thousand customers. Um, it's got amazing products. And what's also interesting is everything was done by themselves, like made by hand, shipped by hand, you know, an office space just smaller than my apartment. And so for me, the fun part has been, you know, obviously with Sharma Brands or even before Sharma Brands, when I was on the brand side, I was mainly on the marketing side of things. And then with Sharma Brands, we interface a little bit with everything around supply chain and fulfillment, things of that nature. But really around like sourcing those partners, setting up those partners and integrating those partners, but not actually like, you know, going to the fulfillment center and talking to the managers at on the floor or, you know, shaking hands with the people packing the boxes or uh, going and talking to the chemists that are creating the products. And so that part's been really exciting for me. Um, It's given me a lot of ideas in terms of, you know, why I think this brand will win even more. Um, but, you know, I think as a whole, like, honestly, everything to me is very exciting about D2C. I mean, you guys know, like we, we were, uh, we were at the good time hotel geeking out about just random stuff for like two hours, you know, drinking soda water. So some of uh, us were drinking soda water. Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah. of us had some of those. All right. So, so what, what, what was your criteria for this brand? Like, I, I, you don't have to tell us too much, but like anything you feel, you feel comfortable to share, like. What were you looking for? Are you looking for yeah, great gross margins? Are you looking for retention? Like, what was your criteria? Yeah, a couple of things. So I had actually been on the hunt for um, to buy a brand for a couple of years. And it kind of started when the pandemic first hit. Um, and I'd started to see a few brands going up for sale. And, um, you know, my criteria was basically like, um, you know, the thought was, all right, zero to one is the hardest part of any brand, right? Um Getting to that one, going one to 10 is is a little bit easier than that because you've got the foundation in place. You know what works, what doesn't work. And um, so the idea was basically, what can I go buy that's already at the one stage that then, you know, we can plug in a Sharma Brands and almost treat it like a client and grow it. And so I started looking at a few businesses. Um, There was... I want to say there was three that were really interesting to me. One was a tableware business. Um, you know, high margin was really attractive there. High AOV was really attractive. Premium brand look and feel. Uh, great social proof across the board from earned media, customer reviews. Um, and it came with an existing customer list. So that to me, I was like, all right, checks mm-hmm. all the boxes. The reason we didn't go through with it was there was a $600,000 loan uh, to Silicon Valley bank that had to be paid back. And as soon as I signed the paper, that became, became my loan. Mm. So we passed on that. Uh, the second one was a, uh, very high end skincare business. Um, and that one again, like 90% margin on every product. Um, great brand name, 
uh, great association with the brand. You know, the people who wear the brand use the brand. Um, the founder was just a little crazy. You know, he was like, all right, I'm down to do this deal. But after I do this deal, if I get an offer for funding, I'm taking it. And I was like, that, this doesn't make any sense. Wait, so would, um, he, have so, would he have stayed on? <laughs> no, I don't think he knew what, how this process worked. He didn't know what acquisition, uh, what an acquisition, he didn't know he what didn't an know acquisition what was. Yeah. I think, I think what's interesting, Nick, as you, as you kind of talk about, you know, you purchasing a brand is that you've been operating, you know, everything from brands as early stage as Judy to like, you know, further down the line, Caraway and, and Bacardi and all that. I think what's interesting to me is as you kind of like venture into your own brand, it obviously comes with a whole lot of headaches. And just in, in general, something more broadly that I think we wanted to touch on is like, you are, I'd say in high demand, um, people are driving you crazy all the time for a zillion different things. You say yes to some, you say no to a bunch. What, what about, I mean, the question is what about building a brand or buying a brand is exciting, but I think more broadly, the question for me is like, what, what's a hell yes versus hell no when you're, should I do a fucking dinner for whatever, or should I go to this event or like, how does Nick, the D to C guy, Sharma, um, evaluate opportunity? Um, it's a good question. So I think, um, all right, if it's like a dinner or an event that I get invited to, it really depends on who else is there. Um, you know, if I'm going to a, uh, for example, there was a, a sponsored dinner we all were at uh, a few months ago. Um, you know, the reason I said, yeah, to go to that was because you both were there. And I'd never met Cody and you live in Philly, so I never get to see you. And so I was like, all right, that's a great opportunity to go hang with these two. Um, and so for me, it's, it's all about the people. You know, there was another dinner um, that I did out in California a few months ago, and I got to meet some awesome, really, or some really awesome founders there. Um, and I knew they were going to be there, so I was excited to go. And I already had a bunch of questions I wanted to ask them and things I wanted to learn about. And so for me, that made sense to go. Um, as far as events, it really depends. Uh, I would say most events I don't go to just because they're generally centered around happy hours. Uh, and I don't drink, as you guys know. So um, even all this alcohol behind me, uh, don't drink. So um, so happy hours just generally aren't that fun to me. I'd rather... Um, I'd rather just like stay at home and work or bust it out at a with somebody bust it out at a soul cycle or something like that. Yeah. Go to a soul cycle class. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it really depends on like, all right, what am I going to actually get out of this? Because, um, you know, if I'm not being, this sounds really cringe, but if I'm not being compensated to be there and there's nothing in it for me, like there's just nothing in it. Why would I go? I, I'm not mad at the compensation piece. I think that, uh, especially on D2C Twitter, we've been seeing it a lot lately that people get bent out of shape when other people are looking to get a bag. Like, I think there's, there's so much free, you know, as Ty Lopez would say, knowledge, um, on Twitter. And it's like, I, I think that's totally fine for people to want to get compensated for their time. Or I, I think about it a lot for my, for my own self. It's like, what am I switching out? I think it was, Mr. Bezos that said that, whereas like for every, for every yes, you switch out something else for a no, or I just maybe misappropriated the whole thing and someone entirely different said that. But, um, yeah, for me, it's like, what am I saying no to now that I have a wife and a kid? Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm leaving my, my wife and kid at home to eat pizza at somebody's backyard. Like, 
it's probably not fun for me, but um, I'm with it. I hear you. Cody, what do yes, you, what makes you like, say yes? Eli and I are like the most introverted people in the world. Like it's gotta be like someone we really want to talk to or like something really fun. I mean, no one's paying us yet to show up anywhere. Like if you're listening and you're hosting, an event, <laughs> well, I, pay, I should like, say, it's not like I get <laughs> paid. It's not like I get paid to show up, but if it's like, um, for example, if, if a portfolio company is having a dinner, I'm there. If a friend is having a dinner, I'm there. If you guys are having a dinner, I'm there. But if it's like, um, you know, uh, hey, we're we're a finance company uh, in e-commerce, and we're throwing a happy hour. We'd love to have you there. I'm like, all right. Um, you know, what what would I get out of this that I couldn't go get on my own? And also, uh, you know, um, is is that is that it's it's never like 30 minutes. It's a happy hour is like a two hour commitment, right? So like, all right, is that two hour commitment worth saying, yeah, exactly what you were saying, Eli, saying no to, you know, the 50 emails I have to get back to tonight before I sleep anyways, that I'll just stay up later to get done. Uh, or is it worth, you know, eating fried chicken versus like having a better home cooked meal, those types of things. Yeah, Pros and for cons. sure. All right. So I, I want to go one or two more questions back to the brand, right? What's your plan for growth? I know you talk a ton in your newsletter about growth strategies. Like, What's your plan? What what did you see that they either weren't doing well or just weren't doing it all that you knew you could plug in? I know you can plug in all your systems and and you know all of your network, but like what what specifically gave you the confidence to know that you could take this brand to the next level? Um, all right. So the reviews were astonishingly great. Like the product is phenomenal. Um, the repeat rate is really high. Great subscription business. Um, they just weren't hitting the gas as hard as they probably could have. Um, and you could also argue that maybe they just weren't a hundred percent sure how to hit the gas as hard as they could have. And so, and is that on paid? Is that, you know, I organic? mean, I, is that everything? Yeah, I think it's on, I think it's on everything. It's like, it's on paid. Um, it's on, you know, partnering with creators. It's on syndicating or, uh, not syndicating, but seeding product to creators. It's on organic TikTok. It's on, um, you know, getting Eli to comment on a TikTok video, make a response, and then we run that. As an ad. <laughs> <laughs> he will do that for free product any day. This is true. <laughs> yeah. This is true. I keep saying I'm, I'm a really easy one. You, you send me shit and I post it. It's, it's gotten me into exactly. trouble, but like, you know, amazing. Yeah, no, amazing. I think there's a lot of opportunity. Even, even going out to... Um, a lot of the existing customer base, you know, a lot of them have tried one product, but they haven't tried some of the other products. And it's mm -hmm. not because they have seen it and they didn't want to try it. It's because they've just never been asked. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to, to see what we can do with that. So a ton of emails, a ton of like revising flows, I imagine, like all the all the heavy lifting on the bottom. And then and then you're thinking about growth. And I guess the other question I would have from like a from a CX standpoint, as far as like operations and logistics and all that, is that something you're taking on or is that something they have an existing fulfillment situation set up? No. So they were doing all of this themselves. Um, and, um, and so, you know, after we signed the contract, they were like, all right, where do we ship this container? It's a 40 foot <laughs> container. <laughs> you you look around your apartment. I'm I like, I don't have any like, here. <laughs> yeah. I remember being like, uh, can I take, can I get it to my apartment? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but no, I, t I, uh, 
I actually initially texted Moyes and I was like, Hey, do you have a, an industrial office somewhere here that you like, I don't know, just have. And he was like, he was like, no, dude, I don't make my own products. And, and so <clears throat> there's a, a really great production company that uh, he's worked with for years. And, and I've actually known the founder for a couple of years as well. And so we partnered up with her uh, to produce all the product. And then we partnered up uh, with a proper 3PL company to actually go ship the product. So we produce in Dallas, we sh- or in Austin, we ship out of Dallas. Um, and two weeks ago, uh, actually right after Miami, that's where I went. I went straight to Austin, spent a day at the production facility, met with everybody, drove to Dallas, uh, bought a Shopify app on MicroAcquire on the way. Boss. And then, um, and that it was just, it was a hilarious moment. And then, uh, went and met everybody on the floor of the, of the, uh, of the fulfillment center. Um, you know, got to teach them a little bit about the product and then, yeah, it was cool. It was the first time I'd ever been in a fulfillment center. And so that was also really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, I bet being based in Austin, you get pretty solid coverage and shipping rates and times across the country, which is fun. I think the the other really insightful thing I think about starting a business that's not like fully, fully from scratch is you you get to kind of really flex that middle stage of a business growth. I think like people that I've seen in D2C are obsessed with like beginning, 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 zero to one. And then there's like the growth people that are focusing from like 100 million to 7 trillion. But I think there's not a ton of people that are like taking an idea that's somewhat fleshed out and growing it to, I don't know eight, nine figures. Um, when does this launch? Um, so we, we spent a couple extra weeks flushing out a whole new kind of rebrand for the brand, uh, updating the site. So I think that actually gets done next week and we'll probably launch by the end of next week. Exciting. That's awesome. Wow. That's cool. So who's running? Yeah. Like, do you have somebody running this brand? Do you have people in place? How, yeah, how involved so we are you have... day to day? Uh, I'd say I'm pretty involved. Um, we have a brand manager that's full-time job is, is overseeing this. Mm -hmm. And then we have an operations person. So basically, uh, one person on the brand, one person on ops, and then, you know, our Sharma brands team kind of plugs in across all things with creative and media and content and landers and website and development and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Dope, dope. That's awesome. All right. So to, to switch gears a little bit. So you've got this brand, you've got Sharma brands, you've got tons of clients, you've got, you know, Nick Sharma, your personal brand, right? You have the newsletter, you're doing your own podcast. How the hell do you have time for all of this? What's, what's your secret? <laughs> um, Don't say eight hours of sleep because we all know that's BS. This no, man's I not sleeping. Last night. I got eight last <laughs> I night. Don't, Cody, Cody's don't got it. the whoop data. Yeah, I'll check. I'll verify. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay. So a few, a few, maybe a, over a year ago, I listened to this podcast that Justin Mayers did, the Cattle and Fire founder. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've always kind of admired how Justin has done, you know, he, Justin has got his hands in a ton of things as well. And um, the way he, he talked about it was really interesting, which was that, you know, he starts a business he kind of does it himself to get to about five or six figures. And then he brings a team in around it. And then he kind of hires himself out of it. Um, and so for me, that was, you know, starting with Sharma brands, 
uh, although I was probably in the weeds for a lot longer than I should have been. Um, then we started a company called 1180, me and Scott Swanson. Um, and 1180 is a branded content studio um, where we work with a bunch of, you know, hyper growth brands, brands that are spending anywhere from half a million to a million dollars a month. Um, and, uh, and then we started, and then, so then 1180 started taking off and then we started building a team around that. And then we just started hooks, which is, uh, you know, basically just landing pages as a service. Um, and same thing there. We just started building a team. We have a GM, we have UX designers, we have, you know, a COO and then, um, and then same thing I'll do with these brands. So we've got one that we're launching internally from scratch in August. Uh, we've got the one that, that I just bought and, you know, I'll do the same thing. I'll kind of run it mainly myself as like the, you know, the acting operator, I guess, until we're getting to a point where we're consistently hitting that six figure revenue per month. And then, um, and then I'll just slowly hire in one or two people. Are you like, how many hours a week are you working? Are you overwhelmed? Are you stressed? Or are you like chilling because you have a really good team in place? Because I would be um, overwhelmed if I yeah. were you. I'm overwhelmed with, with, with what I'm currently doing. I would be overwhelmed. It's, uh, it's an interesting balance. Like there's some days, well, there's a couple things that I have to do to just keep my sanity. One of them is getting good sleep. Uh, the other one is like trying to sweat at least every day. If not, then every other day. The stress gummies. Um, yeah. The stress gummies from house of wise <laughs> right there. Um, and you know, so that, that helps kind of balance, but then I guess the other thing, it sounds so cliche, but I like, there's, there's nothing I would rather be doing than this. Like, um, you know, I, I get so much enjoyment out of this and so much excitement out of doing all this stuff that to me, it never feels like, I'm working. Like when I wake up in the morning, I get really excited. Sunday nights, I'm pumped for Monday. Um, you know, tonight going to sleep, like I'll be excited for what's on my calendar tomorrow morning. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing is like the, the people that we have, like the people at Sharma Brands and 1180 and Hooks, and uh, they're just such fun people to work with. Like there's no, there's nothing bad about uh, or there's, there's nothing that, that I see as like, darn, you know, I have to do that tomorrow. It's just, it's all exciting to me. I mean, I think the, the other thing that's super cool about what you've built and, and I've been in the Sharma brand's office once or twice, um, just hanging out with the crew. And I think it's, it honestly feels like a bunch of friends just fucking around and have a good, having a good time, which I think is very, very rare. I think businesses in general aren't generally built that way where it's just like, people having a good time, they happen to be doing it for a living, which I think is, is an anomaly. And, and it, it does feel like it does, it does feel like you're taking a, a, a little bit too little credit for prioritization. Like, I think you've, you've probably at this point gotten really, really good at figuring out time. You're really humble. Um, Stop being so humble, please. Seriously. <laughs> uh, no, I think figuring out like, like time, like what, you know, I think if it's spending X hours a day on this, even if it's not down to the minute, yeah, you know, like, somewhat figuring it out because if the thing that I learned pretty early on is like you work later, you get less sleep, you get less sleep, you're less effective. I think it's mm -hmm. like, 
it's it's a catch twenty two. Like people only have X amount of hours in the day, and I don't buy the idea that you can hustle for eighteen hours a day and still be effective. I think that those people are, you know, I don't want to have too many hot takes. Uh, on we're, this we're throwing shots. But, we're starting. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. the other the other thing is, um, you know, I think there's two things there. One is uh, from a culture standpoint, like the way that I want people to come into Sharma Brands or work with me across anything. Like I want people to work with me for like 10 years, not like a year and change. And then they go get another job somewhere else. And then they just bop around. Um, and so I think everything that we do, we kind of create with that in mind. And then um, the other one is, you know, I, I would say this past year, I got really good at just understanding where, I could optimize time better or what are things that I could not be doing more of and, and, um, use my time elsewhere more effectively. Um, you know, so like one of those things was hiring a project manager for myself, um, or just hiring an extra, you know, an extra, this person or an extra, that person. Um, and not only does that help kind of everybody balance out their workload better, uh, and be a little less stressed, but, um, you know, cohesively, it, it always makes for a better product. There was one quote, actually, I read, I don't remember where it was, but it was basically, um, it just said, you know, good employees pay for themselves. And I've realized that to just be true. Do you have any yeah. like downsides to being so close to people on your team? Do you ever feel like it makes it a little bit harder? Either the, obviously, there's so many the pros of the culture being great, but maybe people slack a little bit or, or maybe it's a little bit harder to get feedback or reviews. Do you think there's any downsides? Um, you know, you would think there would be downsides in terms of like, Oh, you, you can't tell somebody that they're slacking off or, uh, you know, they need to get their shit together. Um, but yeah, we haven't had any of those issues. I mean, I've definitely had times where I've been like, all right, you got to, you know, you got to get your shit together. This isn't cool. Uh, but then, you know, after that conversation, we're good again. I think the interesting thing, and we talk about this, Cody and I talk about this often in terms of culture. I think Jones is pretty early in, in our journey um, in general, just a small team pretty early on in the business. But, you know, we thought about this at Olipop as well as like, it's really, really difficult to hire B players and then run after them versus hiring A players and just letting them go. And I think mm -hmm. it was kind of forced on us at Olipop because everyone was remote. So if you're hiring somebody remote and you're constantly checking, are they working? It just makes you absolutely insane. So it kind it of forced us to insane. think about that. Yeah, it just forced <laughs> us to think about like, are we hiring A players? If we're hiring A players, like obviously there's a substantial, you know, possibility that someone will burn out at a certain point. But if you know that the, baseline is that they're crushing and kicking ass. It, it kind of makes it a lot easier. So I think that's also something that, that I've learned, I guess, over the last year or two. Yeah, completely agreed. What do, what do you look for, Nick? One, one more kind of thing on team and then we'll switch gears. What do you look for when you're hiring? Are there kind of certain skills or qualities that you found that like your best employees have? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the first thing that we try to check the box is like culture fit. Um, you know, I always have this quote, two quotes. One is work hard and be nice. Uh, the second one is like, you know, there's enough for everybody to eat together. Um, and so, you know, d does this person basically have those two, uh, I don't know if they're traits, but like, uh, 
you know, values, I guess. Yeah, so you're looking for people um, first. Like, good people. I'm looking for people first, yeah. Exactly. Um, and then the second one is, you know, like, how, how genuinely excited are they about what we're doing? Um, because, you know, I, I've hired two, two of my really early employees were people who had never worked in this space before. Um, but I knew that they were so excited to, to, to get in here that they would be able to learn fast enough. And I think I do that because I was also that person. Like I had no right going to hint and doing direct consumer. Um, but I was so excited about it that I was able to completely learn it inside and out. And, um, and so I think I look for that quality in a lot of people. And then, you know, the last one is just like, um, you know, can they like do their job, which is like the most fundamental. But on top of that, it's like, you know, how excited are they? Um, Are they super ambitious? Do they want to get, you know, to the next level in their career, whether, whether it be on on their own down the line or with me or, or with Sharma Brands? Um, and then, you know, are they, are they like a culture fit in the team that we're trying to build, which again is like, you know, I want this team to stay together for a decade. That's everything. I mean, I think that how excited are they is, is everything, especially I'm sure, you know, you guys are growing really fast. It seems like you're always adding people and taking on new brands like Jones road. We're growing incredibly fast and like you, we just don't have time for babysitting, you know, and and obviously there's yeah, a certain level of, of management that has to happen, but like you also do need enough of those A players that are just going to take initiative and, and get the, get the job done. The, totally. the other, the other thing that we, that I was thinking about over the last couple of days is like, there's so much focus on, on learning. And I think there's not enough focus on unlearning. Like it's almost anyone can learn anything if they put their mind to it. Like I'm more likely to hire somebody to your point, Nick, that has a tremendous passion for CX and has done it for 10 minutes versus somebody that did it a decade at HP, because I don't want them to do what they did at HP here. And I think that's even at Jones, it's like for, for some of the roles, like we don't need somebody with a decade of experience. We want somebody that's super passionate. I, I mean, I have zero experience in beauty, but I'm fucking obsessed with with cx and i remember that being bobby's first question on the interview is like you're a dude that never touched makeup why should i hire you um which i said was like that's probably the best question anyone's asked oh, what was and your I, answer? I think that's... your answer was so good though i mean it got you the job yeah i mean like like the the other person was she said the other person i'm talking to has a decade plus experience at a very luxury you know beauty brand and i said to be honest it sounds like the other person's a great candidate and you probably can't go wrong by hiring them i think you know i said I think you, Bobby, got you know, built a billion dollar brand by doing things differently. And I'm the person that'll do things differently. And I'm very excited to to do that. Um, and I don't, I don't think it makes a difference. Like I've, I've come from the luggage space to sell chicken nuggets and healthy soda. Um, I think I can figure out beauty. And, and yeah. to be honest, like shocker, customers are the same. They want to be validated and heard in both beauty and suitcases. Um, you know, there, there's not many differences other than product, which is easy to learn. I think unlearning right. is much harder. All right, let's talk landing pages real quick. Nick, you're known as a big landing page guy. You've written like an awesome report. I know you just, you know, created a, a new brand. What, what's it called? Hooks. Hooks. I was going to call it Hooks, so I'm glad that I didn't say it. Yeah. What's a, to you, what, what makes a good landing page and what's like one surprising thing that you've learned when testing landing pages that you probably didn't think beforehand? Um, all right. So what makes a good landing page? Uh, a couple things. One is does, does, 
you know, when you're creating a page, are you fully empathetic to the source of the traffic and the intent of the customer? That makes a huge difference. So I, in my head, the way I see it, I see this like grid, right? Uh, intent is on, on one axis and source is on the other. Depending on where this person comes in, if they're coming from TikTok with low intent, you know, that page has got to speak one way. If they're coming from Instagram with high intent, that page has got to be laid out in another way. Uh, if they're coming from, you know, for example, uh, Taboola with low intent, you know, the entire format of that page is going to be completely different. Um, so I think that's a big one. The second one is, um, you know, a very simple, does it answer four questions? Uh, what is the product? How does it benefit me? Why is this the best option available on the market today? And um, how do I buy it? And, you know, good landers basically just answer those four questions over and over and over again. Every time you scroll, it's just answering those questions. Um, so that combined with, uh, you know, understanding the source of the traffic and the intent, um, in my mind, makes a good lander. You know, then you could basically, I think you could sell anything to anyone. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and what's, a, what's like a test that, that, like a tactical test that like listeners could take away? And like, hey, you should have this on your page because we've tested it and it almost always converts better. Is it having like, you know, a certain thing with the buy box? Yeah, I mean, there's a few. A... Yeah, there's a few nuggets that always work. Um, you know, one is like uh, people tend to, f to focus on features versus benefits. Um, you know, the example I gave in my email yesterday was like, um, you know, if you're if you're a, a beauty device tool, uh, you might say, um, you know, this, this device will help your skin become wrinkle-free and smoother and much softer. Um, or, you know, this device is, uh, you charge it once, it lasts you two weeks. Uh, but the benefit is not listed there. And so you're not, you're not able to read that as a consumer and understand uh, or personify it in your head. But if it said something like, you know, uh, you know your, your ticket to smoother skin in two weeks you're like, all right, Man, I'm at, in, you know, what is it? Um, <laughs> and so, so I think benefits versus features is a big one uh, that a lot of people I think talk about, but don't really practice. Um, the other one is, uh, you know, breaking down the cost. So, you know, when you think about landing pages, cost is obviously, um, you know, these are people with lower intent generally uh, that are coming to most, most of your landing page traffic. Um, and so you always got to think about, you know, how do you, how do you create, how do you, uh, help shape the cost in somebody's mind that, um, you know, they're making a good decision. Basically with every landing page, your goal as a marketer is to instill so much confidence in this person that they are making the right decision from the get-go, uh, that they themselves want to make a purchase. And, um, you know, a simple example I remember with, um, hydrant, which is an electrolyte mixer was, you know, I think we were selling a variety pack for 28 or $29, um, a one month supply, essentially it was 30 sticks. And, you know, we had the price and then we tested the price with underneath the buy button saying, you know, less than a dollar a day and the less than a dollar a day, just dramatically increased conversion. Our CPA dropped a ton. Um, so that was huge. Another big uh, one for any kind of food, bev, or really even beauty products is having the nutrition labels uh, or the ingredient list very clearly displayed. 
that was something I realized that not a lot of people, I didn't think a lot of people cared for that. Uh, turns out everybody cares for that. And uh, I just live in a bubble. Mm -hmm. So you're just trying to get all of the information, any question that a customer would be asking if they were to go in and talk to a potential sales rep, you're just trying to say, Hey, here it is. Like, let's put it right in front of you. Yeah. The best way to think about um, a landing page is like, all right, if you go into a store, you guys have a Jones road store, right? Yeah. yeah. So if somebody walks into the Jones road store, um, you know, when somebody walks into the store, a store associate might see them walk in and kind of just look at them and realize, okay, based on what this person's wearing or, you know, their shoes or their body language, I'm going to walk them through this exact route within the store. And that's kind of what you're doing with the landing page. That's why you want to uh, qualify them um, or not qualify, but that's why you want to think through their traffic source and the intent of this customer. Uh, because depending on that, you'll merchandise the page differently, or you'll hit different value props, or you'll talk about a product in a different way, um, or you know you'll 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 have different pricing options than than other traffic sources, and so um, so I think of it a lot very similar to like somebody walking into a retail store. You know, how would you walk them through that store? So what's what's a tactical example of how you would treat somebody differently on a landing page? depending on where they're coming from, say it's Facebook or Instagram versus TikTok. Like if, if it's a different intent, what would you do differently on that page? Um, <clears throat> well, I think there's one that you do really well, which is um, you, you have your TikTok traffic go straight to a listicle mm -hmm. before they hit your site. Um, yeah, we go listicle you know, to which quiz, is a great example. That's what we found works best. Yeah, listicle to quiz, um, which is a great way to... Uh, treat that traffic that is probably a lot higher funnel. Uh, they're on a mobile device coming from a, a platform that scrolls extremely fast. Uh, you know, if they click, if they click that ad, then they're also, yeah, they're coming from something where they're just flicking it up and down every 20 seconds. And so they're kind of looking for something quick, right? So your five reasons listicle, it gets them in the door, they read it and then boom, now they're playing with their thumb again. Um, and so that to me was a really smart one. I promise um, I wasn't like fishing for a compliment there, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you compare that to, uh, like we did, a, a, a search, um, we tried to help eight sleep optimize their, their Google search ads. You work uh, with every DTC brand, like every time it's crazy. How many you work with? Is that why he's the DTC guy? It must be. I it's searchable. It's verifiable. <laughs> it is searchable. Yeah. Um, Whereas, you know, with them, they were, you know, if you're searching for a $2,000 mattress or you're thinking about buying a $2,000 mattress, um, obviously as a consumer, you're going to go find, you know, the six other alternatives. And so in that landing page, for example, we did what's called like a, um, you know, we basically did a side-by-side -side comparison down the entire page, you know, eight sleep versus its competitors. Uh, or you could do what's called a comparical, which is like a listicle, but like, you know, you versus a competitor. Um, and so, so yeah, I guess any others, yeah. Like what specifically tactically could I, could I answer? No, that, I mean, that, that's helpful. I think just overall to summarize it, it's like, you're just trying to think of like, what is their mindset for where they're coming from? Knowing obviously if it's search, they're, yeah. they're looking for it, right? It's demand capture. They're looking for a solution. So you probably have to compare right. it to a competitor. If it's TikTok, they're going super fast. It's more top of funnel. Like, don't waste their time. You got to hook them in pretty quickly. 
versus if it's, you know, Instagram, Facebook, like they're ready to buy right now. You got to give them like all of the information and then send them to check out. Is that, is that a fair summary? Yeah, pretty fair. I think one of the reasons why, like, if I find you really interesting and love talking to you about this stuff is like, you're obviously originally a growth marketer, but you, I've never heard you talk about numbers. You're never like, oh, we got this conversion rate and this. You're like, when, when you talk about optimizing things, things. Oh, you, should I start posting Shopify screenshots? Yeah, is I that think what you're so. For? Exactly. No, I, I think you could, but I'm just saying like, you're, you're always thinking in terms of customer, you know, and, and kind of a yeah. very customer centric yeah. and also brand, right? And obviously I'm very vocal about brand. I'm originally a performance marketer, Facebook ads guy. Like even Eli is like a CX and retention guy. Like he's a big brand guy. Like I find that interesting, you know, that you're again, an originally a growth guy and you're talking about ads and landing pages, all this stuff, but it, it never is coming at the expense of brand equity. And, and if anything, you know, you coin, what, what do you call it? Is it brand first performance brand or performance, performance branding? branding. Right? Like where did that yeah. appreciation come from? Cause I know obviously that's <coughs> learned for you. Yeah. So that actually came from, uh, when I was at Hintwater, um, you know, I got to the company, I opened the Facebook ads account. Um, and I basically see, you know, they're, they're sending, uh, paid traffic to all levels of, uh, intent, you know, prospecting, retargeting, remarketing to, you know, essentially a landing page. That's like, you know, buy a, uh, sparkling and a still case of watermelon. So two cases of watermelon, one sparkling, one still get 20% off. It's, uh, you know, zero sugar, zero calories, zero sweeteners, flavored water. Uh, buy it here. So, you know, I'm looking at the click-through rate. I'm looking at the CPC and I'm just like, damn, I was just, so before, beforehand, I used to work at an ad tech company and, um, where actually I was doing this freelance, but before that I learned it at an ad tech company where I would help a lot of these, you know, those shitty publishers at the bottom of Taboola. That's like, you don't know what, you know, you, you won't believe what this celebrity looks like 20 years later. Um, I would run those on Facebook. And realize that, oh, these guys are spending <clears throat> 200 grand a day on Taboola and Outbrain. Why can't we spend like 20, 30% of that on Facebook um, if I could do it efficiently? And so, uh, so I, I got really good at that. And over there, I was getting, you know, CPCs that were like two cents, three cents, four cents. And so when I got to Hint, yeah, yeah, exactly. So when I got to Hint, I was like, damn, uh, these guys are paying $5. You know, if I was getting even 10 cent CPC, they were um, I get 50 more chances. Yeah. And this was, this was obviously you know, a while ago when things were a lot cheaper too. Yeah. This was like 2017. Um, so, you know, I, I thought, all right, if I can get this down to even 10 cents, uh, that gives me 50 more chances in the same chance that they take one chance. Um, and, and so, so I just started focusing on that. I was like, all right, how do we get, um, you know, it's really about like content being entertaining. So how do we create entertaining content or, or content that people actually look forward to clicking? Um, and so that's kind of where that performance branding started was how can we build brand equity on the back of our working performance dollars? And so we're not sacrificing brand or what the story of the brand is. But we're also not sacrificing our paid media numbers. And, um, you know, that tactic worked out really well at Hint. And uh, it's worked out well ever since. But it's it's also the idea, I think, when I was a kid, I consumed a lot of Gary Vee. 
and his whole thing was always about the customer's always right and have empathy for the customer. A lot of hustle. Yeah. And so, but it was kind of always drilled in my brain, like, all right, whatever you do, uh, you got to invest in the customers versus try to play a game where you can trick the customers. And so, you know, even with our, even with hooks, the landing page business, um, you know, we always say like the goal is not to create some kind of landing page where, you know, with one click, we've got a whole funnel built out and a thing in your cart and then an upsell offer and this and that. The whole goal is like, how do we educate whoever comes to this landing page so much that they feel so confident in buying the $400 cookware set or that $300 weighted blanket? It's not about like tricking them. It's about arming them with confidence that they feel that they're making the right decision. I think that's so, it's so fascinating to me because I, on the retention side, I think about this so often where 90% of businesses that come to me for any sort of like question around retention, it's like my sales are crushing, my growth is ridiculous, but I need retention help. And you find out that they have like seven people on the growth team and have never looked at retention. And it's like, here, come here, fix my shit. And in reality, it's like, if you've gone at growth without this performance brand lens, you're just basically, in my opinion, you're front loading a whole bunch of revenue because you're like, fuck it, the wallet's open. Let me squeeze more. Let me upsell. Let me cross sell. And that's Cody and I, that's what we connected. That's like, as, as marketers, I think there aren't many marketers that think the way you two think around, like, obviously marketing and growing the business and acquiring customers, but in a way that feels sensible and is focused on customer and LTV play versus like quick get all the dollars definitely again. I feel like they're definitely yeah. not I think there's more retention marketers that I think operate from a customer centric you know stance and and think empathy and play the long game and I, I know Eli obviously you hate when people spray and pray and and blast emails and like upsell so there definitely are retention marketers who don't but I feel like it's, it's really rare there aren't a lot of growth marketers who I think think this way and most people are so focused on their CAC and what their click-through rate is and what their conversion rate is and they'll do whatever it takes yeah to get it at the expense of how the customer is going to feel about that brand long-term. Yeah. All the KPIs. I think too, like, um, I think I was also lucky in the sense that I started direct consumer in beverage where it was so important to have a a really solid retention engine. Uh, you know, half of our revenue was subscription. 30% of our revenue was, uh, driven by email. Um, and, and it, it was all about like, again, serving the customer so they feel confident in making a purchase because it's it's just, it's a beverage. No one had ever bought beverage online before that. Um, so, you know, I would stay in the office till 11 at night responding to Facebook comments on ads because I also knew that if I did that, uh, one, we'd get a subscriber significantly faster, uh, but two, our CPA the next day drops by like 15% because we have a lot of engagement. Um, And also three, they were just generally happier customers. If you're growing fast, just like we are, you know exactly how hard cash flow management can be. You've got customers to acquire, you've got ads to fund, you've got inventory to finance, especially if you don't wanna dilute yourself by raising around, what options do you have? Enter Wayflyer. With Wayflyer, you can get fast, flexible funding from 10K to $20 million at the best possible rates. No collateral, no dilution, just a funding you need to improve your working capital and help you grow your business. Join the thousands of businesses using Wayflyer to fund their growth. 
Go to wayflyer.com slash pod to learn more. That makes me so happy. I, I think that's spot on. And we think about this a lot from the, I mean, at Olipop, we were also at a point where we were like 50 something percent subscription and beverage as a whole. I think you're spot on. It's, it's, it's like low AOV, high LTV if you're yeah. doing it well. And I think it's, it forces you to think that way versus like the world that I came from before, which was luggage. You get them in one purchase and you're done, right? right. It's like you get them on that one purchase. You never see them again. You're still fine. I think the, the, the thing that I love about the, this way of thinking is that regardless whether you're in luggage or beverage, I think what people hesitate to think about is like what happens after that customer, like the word of mouth, the non-trackable thing, mm-hmm. whereas if somebody has a great experience with your brand, they, it doesn't stop there. Like, you know, as marketers, we love things that we can track, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Like if somebody has a great experience with your brand, regardless of if they purchase nine times, they still have the potential to tell others, yeah. um, which is something Cody and I talk about, but I, I think it's, yeah. and I'm a little different. A great I was framework. like hardcore, like, Facebook ads are all that matters. Like, I, I did appreciate LTV because like, I knew that if you got your LTV up, you can uh, spend more for your allowable CAC, right? Your allowable CPA could go up. But I still think that's probably very much in terms of like, let's upsell, like let's upsell them this, let's like set up this low. It wasn't really in terms of like, yeah. can we just treat them really well and provide them a really good experience and hoping if they enjoy it, like they'll naturally come back, you know? And for me, like everything had to be totally. very trackable. And now I think I have a much greater appreciation for kind of that, that gray area for, you know, maybe maybe they're not seeing our ads and they're not purchasing from us directly, but maybe they're remembering it because we gave them value and we educated them and, and made them feel that something is possible. And then that'll show up later on through email or organic search or something like totally. that. Totally. I think the 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 last thing I'll say on that is that as brands, we're always like, oh, if we don't remind them, they won't repurchase. But as customers, we understand that if we're using something that's replenishable and you finish it, you're going to repurchase. Like if your body wash runs out, you're going to fucking buy more. Yeah. You don't have to be reminded every Tuesday. And if you're not buying more, you switch it out for a different brand. Right. And if you switch it out for the different brand, the product wasn't good enough. Yeah. That's like my thought with Olipop. It's like the people that love it are buying it every week. You don't have to remind them every Tuesday with a text saying like buy our shit. When they finish it, they'll buy it, yeah. right? I think with beauty, it's different because you have to like give them the use cases. Like, hey, here's a, another way you can use it. Totally. But I think product's good enough. You're going to re- you're gonna repeat purchase. Sounds like Nick has to go because he's saying a lot of okay. And no, 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 I'm good. Do you have a hard stop? No, I don't. I was thinking oh, in my head, like we should stay on for another three hours. Yeah, this guy doesn't need to give hours. context. <laughs> To give context, we're we're at a breezy 8 p.m. The funny part about this is if you're watching this on video, Nick and I are both vibing in the natural light over here. So it's going to get dark. It's going to get cozy. Um, I mean, I, I'm not opposed to it. I think I think the the uh, the most exciting part of this um, whole podcast is Cody had like an underrated, overrated. I feel like if we don't get to that, oh, yeah, uh, let's the, do it. the fans are not going to be were there any not be into it. that we should do? I got, I got a few good ones. Yeah. We already do some of them. Uh, I got, yeah, I got, I got a few. So not necessarily underrated or overrated, right? But we'll get a little bit more controversial. We'll get, we'll get into it. What's something in DTC that something common in DTC that you never want to see again? You'd be happy if you never Oof. saw it. And also, <laughs> I'm going to ask you too. We'll, we'll all think of answers. All right. Gosh, something we're common in DTC that I don't want to see again. Um... You know, I think, I think, um, I think like when I see pitch decks and actually Cody, we were sent the same, or maybe I sent this one to you where I saw like an $8 acquisition cost. I was like, guys, come on. 
we all know that's that's you're you don't have an eight dollar <laughs> acquisition cost you haven't even launched you can't test this uh and it's just a straight up lie and um you know correlated with that i think the other one is like uh decks that try to validate their business based off of acquisition cost to ltv analysis uh because those aren't brands those are just products with marketing engines um and the first one is just a delusional founder mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> straight you heard it you heard it here first nick hates bs pitch decks and delusional founders your pitch deck. <laughs> <laughs> i think it's amazing um i mean my my thing and and this isn't a secret i absolutely hate the hacks like all the all the hacks when it comes to like emails where it's like reply forward this person you know forward this to 10 people so that you don't kill a chicken like all that kind of chaotic are you also talking about like the the subject line being like re core yes yeah exactly i think all these things they work once and you dilute your your open rate like i think the craziest the craziest open rate i've ever seen is probably at jones where we're like 50 60 percent open and on every email and it's because we never do hacks. Like this is a list that wasn't from a list giveaway. This wasn't like a swap of a list. This was like genuinely people interested and we send them the right message to the right person at the right time. There's no gimmicks, there's no hacks. And I think that's the thing I fucking hate and I'd be okay if it died tomorrow is all these kind of hacks that get you an extra $5 today, but they loot your brand tomorrow. Yeah, that's so funny you say that. I think- um... You were about to do that on your newsletter <laughs> next week. No, no, no. get this. Yeah. Um, no, you know, what's funny is until I had my own newsletter, I never really, uh, was super empathetic about that type of stuff. But now that it's like my audience and I could, I feel like I could lose it at any second. Uh, I would absolutely not do any of those gimmicks, but I, I do remember like when I was at hint, I definitely did some kind of forward colon stuff. Uh, I remember specifically Brooklinen, I think, did it for Black Friday one year, maybe like three years ago, where it was like a forwarded email from the marketing team to somebody else to test the coupon code, which I thought was done in a creative yep. way and a kind of a fun <laughs> way. But um, but yeah, no, I, I completely Smart. agree. I think a lot of those hacks just suck. And there's there's also like, especially in email, I think there's so much opportunity Like if you look at your other tab in Superhuman or Gmail or whatever you use, there's just so much garbage that comes through as sales emails all the time. And I always think a good KPI for for brand emails is like, all right, what could what could somebody read and then go bring up at the dinner table later that night? Like if Mm -hmm. if that's if that's something your email has, that's a pretty good email. You'll keep your open rate high. Your quality stays high. But yeah, if you're just throwing gimmicks out or. You're throwing sales for the, you know, for the benefit of like getting an extra dollar today. It just doesn't last. And the the funny thing is like the caveat I'll say is it it does work. Like that's the suck. That's the part that sucks is like it'll always work for the first time, right? Like if you're hitting you're hitting the end of the month and you need an extra couple of thousand dollars, like if you send that email with a crazy hack, it'll work. It's just like a, it's an LTV thing, right? It's like yeah, long term customers won't what open game your email. Like how are you, yeah. you know? What, what, you know, I'm not trying to say the attribution word, but like what time horizon are you trying to optimize for, <laughs> you know, and, and understand like, yeah, you'll get whatever you optimize for. So you'll, it's been 52 <laughs> minutes and Cody just dropped the A word. <laughs> are we going to discuss uh, that here? Amazing. No? Yeah. 
We're gonna get what, to. We're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it. I thought you wanted to talk about. I am your your beef on Twitter. Attribution. Yeah, I was just hoping that would pass. Amazing. So uh, if you guys got any questions, I'll answer it. If not, you're the guest here. I'm going to ask you questions. No, I'm good. Let's continue. Yeah. Let's continue. All right. Let me. Let let's, let's, let's let it. So let's let me let say it the pass. one. No, he has to right, answer. On, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the one thing I hope I never see again is UGC ads that start with, do you struggle with? Or some kind of, do you have this problem? Oh, gosh. I am so sick of seeing UGC. I'm going to say that in quotes because it's not UGC. I don't know why we call it UGC. It's paid content creators that charge a few hundred bucks per video that just make ads. And everyone says, on, especially on TikTok, like make TikToks, not ads. Just because you film something on an iPhone doesn't mean that's a TikTok. It's a straight up ad. Yeah. You're not giving any value. There's no education. There's no motivation. There's no persuasion. It's just a list of features and benefits. And do you struggle with this? I'm like, I don't know about you guys. When I see it, I just scroll right past it. It's just so clearly an ad. There's no value. I think, first of all, we've tested Things like that, that, you know, again, I've seen a lot of people do, so we tested them. They have all performed so terribly. The click-through rates have been so awful for us. And even if they do convert, again, it's one of the things where it's like, to me, that's harming brand equity. I don't want to put that out there. I want to lead with value. I want to actually put out ads that, out there, especially on TikTok, that people don't realize they're ads because whether people buy or not, they're actually helping people. They're uplifting them, giving them, you know, some motivation, but also actually educating them about the problem that they're having in a way where even if they don't buy our product, they're still better off. So that's my yeah, rant about totally this agree. fake UGC. I think what do you it's think really that? interesting. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I feel like in the last um, three or four months, I've seen a wave of people on Twitter show up as like UGC ad creator. Have you guys seen so that? So many. Oh my God, so many. There's a lot of them. So a lot. There's um, a lot. Every day there's more. But, like. but also I've, I've been seeing just like terrible UGC ads, which sucks because like, uh, UGC ads work really well when they're actually authentic and genuine and uh, it's real, you know, it's somebody who's truly a longtime fan of the brand or, or uh, really deeply enjoys the product. I remember we worked with a cleaning brand uh, two years ago. Um, they weren't really able to make money with their ads um, and they were about to shut the business down. We got the product, like our whole team received a shipment of the product and I mean, to this day, I use that same product, but the product was just a phenomenal product. It was like probably one of the best cleaning products I've ever used in my life. And I just thought like, wow, these guys have just been marketing it completely wrong the entire time. And so, you know, Bailey and Carly made uh, ads of the product because they also loved it so much. And within six weeks, the business was on a $7 million run rate for the year with, you know, profitable on every purchase. And it was because the content was so good because it was like genuine. It wasn't, you know, a $200 paid UGC, which also is just a phenomenal business if you're like a solo creator looking to make extra cash. But like, but it just, it doesn't work and it's not sustainable because you can't be such a big fan of 69 brands a month. It's just impossible. Um, And also you can't, as, as somebody who just gets a brief, you know, again, you're just reading a brief. You're not like, uh, you're not a true fan of that brand or didn't really solve a problem for you, which is, as you know, or what most people probably know, hopefully know, is like every ad just has to solve a problem. Like it has to give value. Otherwise, you're not going to get a click, especially today. I mean, customers also smell through the bullshit, right? Totally. It's like customers can smell through, aside from seeing the same person in 27 ads, I think customers smell through it. And, and we've seen, Cody and I were talking about this, like 
there are certain creators, I mean, Kristen from Suit Shop is one of them that like when we did stuff at Olipop, like she was a genuine fan. When she shot things, it was incredible. Like mm -hmm. customers resonated with it because she drank a can or two every day, right? I think it's like people actually realize like you're you're not a fucking Hollywood actress. Um and people people realize that it's it's just a it's not legit. One one funny um, thing that, yeah. that did happen was uh so last year we worked with probably three or four brands or five brands that like uh, Bailey and Carly specifically all did ads for, you know, but they were all like customers of it. A lot of the brands we work with, we tend to be huge fans of anyways. And so, you know, one was like Starface, one was Poopery, one was uh, June Shine. Um, and I'm sure there's one or two others in there. And they start getting DMs like, hey, you're the poop spray girl. Or they'll <laughs> get comments on their, on their Instagram or, or like, you know, June Shine will run an ad and they'll be like, hey, wait, I thought you were selling, you know, pimple patches. <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to call Bailey. Amazing. The, the, I think we I'm underestimate. Bailey the poop spray girl from now on. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think we underestimate that the customers aren't exactly. morons. Um, which. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one last thing I'll say in that is like, we've, you know, so we, that, that fake UGC has bombed for us, but we've also gotten some stuff from real customers and some of them were, were influencers, but they're like, fans of the brand, like super close, you know, VIP influencers. And we've gotten some stuff back from them, you know, whether just throughout our own or through this app called Bounty, that's been great. And, um, you know, I get it. I'm like, oh, there's no hook on this. Like they don't know how to create an ad. There's no hook, like this isn't gonna perform. This stuff crush it, like best thumb stop rate we've done because it's just in best conversion rates, best click through rates. It's just so authentic and people can tell. And if you don't think people can tell and you don't think it matters, like it matters. So like. Our new entire plan is like taking the long game. Like we're, we're seeding, we're sending products. We're actually building relationships. And only once we get a really genuine relationship with a, an influencer or a creator, then are we going to ask them for paid content for ads, but we're not going to go straight to that paid part, which is, I think what a lot of brands are doing now. Totally. All right, Eli, what else we got? We got time for a few more. Uh, any, any Twitter questions? <clears throat> So the, the super overrated is one. What is something that's super underrated? What's something, Nick, that you don't see enough of? Like a tactic or a strategy that you feel like people are just sleeping on? If this guy says landing pages, I'm leaving. I'm walking out. <laughs> uh, let's see. Honestly, I think one of the, the biggest, most slept on things, uh, which honestly I credit like all of my, maybe 90% of my success at Hint to, is um, just telling the found story. Like so many of these direct consumer mm -hmm. brands, uh, you know, it's it's the modern day small business or it's the modern day mom and pop shop. So many of them have such dope stories behind them um, as to why they started or how they started or how they discovered their the innovation for the product that they sell. And, um, and like no one talks about it. They all go straight to uh, value props that, are just as good as any other competitive brand has. Um, and so, you know, like the, the, once we start working with a brand that we just think, okay, wait, what's the founding story? Like that is our first kickoff call is like, tell us why you started this brand. We spent an hour, we spend an hour on that. That's our kickoff. Um, and it's just all about like, okay, well, uh, you know, are there different angles we can get out of that? Are there different things we're not thinking about? You know, why did this person start the brand? And, um, 
And I just think people really resonate with that. I remember uh, one of my first consulting brands I ever worked with ever. Um, it was called uh, Social Sparkling Wine. And I think it's still around today. It was a canned wine. And, you know, this woman started it because she had cancer. She couldn't have the level of alcohol that's in normal wine. Uh, or maybe it was a certain ingredient in normal wine. So she started this wine and it was a great tasting wine. Um, but I remember, you know, uh, turning on Facebook ads and this was when I was building my own drag and drop unbounce pages. Uh, the page wasn't all that great, but it pretty much focused on like, here's, here's a bundle, here's a deal to try it for you. And here's the founding story. The Facebook ad, um, you know, it was like one massive paragraph. You had to click see more to read. That was our best piece of creative. And it was just like. Hey, my name is, I forget her name. You know, my name is Sarah and I started this brand because blah, blah, blah. And that was our best, highest scalable piece of creative. Um, and really every brand that we work with, um, anytime we push the founding story, it just always wins because it's like, it, that is the ultimate UGC. Is Why do you think it works so well? Story. Why do you think it works so well? Why do you think people care about it? Because I think... There's so, a lot of people, right, that are like, oh, brand doesn't matter. Customers don't care about their, your brand. They just want it. They just care about what's in it for them. Why, why do you think people resonate yeah. with this so well? Well, well I, I do think that could be true. Like if you're selling, um, uh, if you're selling uh, LaCroix, I don't think anybody cares because you're buying a commodity, really. Okay. Um, but if you're not buying a commodity and you're choosing to buy the non-Amazon version of that product, whether it's cookware, whether it's uh, flavored water, whether it's perfume, whatever it is. Um, you know, like vitamin C serum, for example, you can buy that at Trader, I, I bought it at Trader Joe's, $1.99. Uh, or you could buy it from Covey. But, um, you know, I think when people, when people hear that story, they feel a connection personally. And, you know, everybody's kind of centered around whether we like it or not, or know it or not, or admit it, like everybody's tied back to some, some type of belonging or community. And, you know, hearing a story of, uh, you know, a person who, um, you know, if, if I read a story and, and there is a guy who's like, yeah, you know, I grew up in an immigrant family, I dropped out of college, you know, I felt the adversity. I'm like, oh, shoot, I can relate to that. Uh, I'm going to go support that guy instead of, you know, Bezos on Amazon getting his 3% kickback. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'd argue if it's a commodity, it's even more important because then that's the only way I'm going to choose your water over the one, you know, that's everywhere and cheaper is if you have an amazing story, I'll probably be willing to spend. Yeah, exactly. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, uh, that, that is exactly how we did it at Hint. I mean, the founding story got so big that the founder herself became her own media company. Uh, you know, almost a million fans on Facebook and, couple hundred thousand everywhere else and you know i remember one time we got invited uh to be a part of the media one of the media um companies at the ernst and young global entrepreneur of the year conference in monaco and we replaced the associated press wow. there because they dropped out so they invited the founder to come because her platform was bigger in daily reach than all of those other media companies combined where they were posting it 
That's crazy. That's crazy. Wow. You're also doing this obviously before TikTok and you know TikTok. I think this way stuff before. Is, but this stuff is great for TikTok, right? This kind of behind the scenes, yeah. super raw, authentic, right? Like this stuff can really crush it on TikTok organically and and paid as well. So um, totally, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I mean, obviously we have a well known founder, but we do a lot of it. I think we could do more of that. Even like the, the how would wild. how would you run TikTok ads if uh, if your founder wasn't Bobby Brown? That's a great question. I would still provide value. I wouldn't just be like, here's here's this thing, here's why you need to buy it, right? I would still provide value. So if it's makeup, I would still do beauty content tutorials. I'd probably do a little bit more of the story, depending on what the story is. I think that's great. Overlay that with some video replies and, and questions. I would still go, you know, native to the platform in terms of, you know, people are on TikTok to to be entertained, to be inspired, and to be educated. And I'd make sure I'm doing at least one of those in all videos instead of just Here's this product. Here's here's why you need it. I, I wouldn't do that, but obviously it's a huge advantage to have a very well known founder. Totally. And and when you create um, TikToks, do you create them to do well organically, and then whatever does well or over indexes, you just bump that with paid? Pretty much. Yeah. Exactly. There's you know there's definitely some stuff that does well organically that I don't test. I'm like ah, I don't think so. But there's been a lot that have that has been uh, a really good organic one. And I wouldn't think, right? It's more of like a middle funnel angle hook that I wouldn't normally think of being for an ad, but it's worked super well. I think, A, when you have, you know, a decent amount of brand awareness and equity, like, you know, there really is no top of funnel. Like, you're, you're not reaching new people yeah. with an ad on TikTok. But I also think, like, beauty is such a, an aware market. People are very aware of products and, and stuff like that. So you don't have to start problem all the time. You can actually start with a product and especially if you have the name like foundation in it. Um, so yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's pretty much, pretty much what we do. And then once we get something that kind of fatigues, we'll just edit a new hook. So in a three seconds, the first, you know, change up something and, and run, run it again. And how much time a day do you spend an ads manager? Uh, I check it way more than I do I, way more than I should. <laughs> I mean, I'm still, I'm still running too much. Yeah. Um, I yeah. check Facebook, but like, TikTok do you have to, are you optimizing multiple times a day with TikTok? No, no. Most days I don't touch anything. I try to change oh, okay. it as little as possible. Um, it's, you know, if it goes well, I'll bump budget, um, you know, turning an ad on and off, but no, it's not a ton. It's probably a few times a week. I'll actually change anything. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's, it's crazy. I mean, everyone knows, and right. Even for Facebook, it's like, we've got these expensive 20 K a month ad agencies and we have to do full day shoots. TikTok. It's like, we shoot on our phone, we shoot five in a yeah. week. One of those we test as an ad. Hopefully it works. Like it's, it's so crazy how cheap and I love easy TikTok for that though. Cause it's, it's also like no bullshit. It's, it's no bullshit at all. It's super authentic. It's what yeah. people want. Although I do think, and honestly, I do think people are, I was going to say the ads on TikTok honestly are, are more enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Like I find myself swiping through them a lot less frequently TikTok than on Facebook recently. or Instagram. I just bought my first thing. What did you, what did, what did you TikTok yeah. made me buy it? I bought uh, a knife from Mizzen. Oh, oh! I, yeah, I actually oh. really want one of those. Too. They've been those targeting the. They've been targeting the yeah, life out of me. I know they were targeting me too, and um, I don't remember what the creative was, but um, but I bought it. But a lot of times, you know, what I do enjoy doing is uh, looking to see how people's landing pages differ coming from TikTok than mm. like their main site, mm. and the best ones are a lot of these like. It's almost like this new era of drop shipping, which is like people find one product, they slap a label on it. It's like basically white labeled something. And a, and a lot of these like supplements or mm -hmm. face masks or uh, 
you know, these like uh, night potions. I don't know if you guys get those, but like they have insanely creative yep. TikTok creatives, but also very creative landers that like look horrible on desktop, um, but they, they work so beautifully in the TikTok browser. That's a good point. You really don't even need to look at desktop if you're making if you're running different landing pages just on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love TikTok. I could talk about TikTok all day. All right, let's do yeah. uh, one more question and then we'll let you go. You know, you gotta get your, your nine hours of sleep. Eli, you got one or not? Um I do not have one off the I mean I, I can I can go rogue. I mean I think that my my uh <laughs> My thing that I, this is something I'm genuinely curious is as a friend, I, something I struggle with is I'm, I'm like maxed out by the amount of connections I, I have. Like I am not looking for new friends. I'm not looking for new acquaintances. Like I'm very satisfied and something that Nick and I and Cody were chatting about last week, which I, which I think can be helpful for more people to hear is how do you tactfully say no? Um, I think that I've gotten really good at saying like, I'm too busy. See you in six months. And some people will follow up nine times and I wish I was better at saying no. Um, and I'd love Nick, if you can share what you shared. Yeah, with, I'm terrible. With yeah. the, the way that this led is like, I got, you know, in an invitation for something and I was just like, I'm so terrible. And I know in the past, uh, you know, as especially things were newer, I would say yes to everything. And I just, now I realize I have no ability to say no. So I either ghost people or I say yes. So I'm, I, I want to learn from you guys here. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that great at it. I've been trying to get better. Uh, I've unfortunately done the ghosting thing a lot. Um, and it never feels good when then they, you know, they genuinely say hi or how you doing or hope you're good. Cause then you're mm -hmm. like, damn, I totally ghosted them. <laughs> and, and they didn't, they didn't have any bad intent. Um, but I mean, you know, lately, um, I would, I would just say like, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a work thing, if, it, if somebody's like, Hey, I want to pick your brain on this. Um, I'll say, you know, absolutely. Here's a link to mentor pass. Um, you know, if you, if you can give me value by compensating me for my time that I'm going to take away from everything else I got going on, then I will give my undivided attention to you. Uh, I'll do everything I can to make that time completely worth it. Um, and, and that works out really well. Cause one that qualifies a lot of people to like, all right, are these people that, uh, you know, if people are paying to, to talk to me, like they're, they're probably actually really dope people. Um, and a lot of them have been, um, and you don't feel any shame about that. Just being like, hey, no, I, you know, I used knowledge. to think like, yeah, I, I used to think it about it that way, but then, um, you know, if you zoom out, it's like, all right, I, I definitely spend probably five or six hours a week just creating free content for everybody to consume. A lot of stuff that I think is stuff that's very relevant. And so I already put that out there. 99% of the questions I get or the things that people want to pick my brain about is something I've already put out. And so, so it's like, mm. all right, now if you want to just ask me the same questions, then... I'm happy to walk you through it and maybe explain it a little bit closer to your specific use case. Uh, you know, just, just, uh, compensate me for my time. Uh, and it's a win-win situation, you know, then I'm also genuinely really excited, uh, to do that. And, um, so that's, that's what I do for work stuff. And then, or, you know, if it's just something I'm just not interested in, 
Um, I think I used to, I used to still like entertain it. You know, if somebody's like, uh, Hey, I'm raising money for this and I would love your help in blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'd say, Oh, sorry, you know, I'm not, I'm not really investing right now or, or I'm not going to invest in this, but, uh, happy to help in any way I can, which like some of those are just like, they just bite me later. You know, they'll follow up eight times. Hey, what happened to that intro that you, uh, that you mentioned you could get me some intros. Um, and so I just kind of learned, all right, I just got to be like super frank, I guess, you know, if I can't do something, I'm just going to say, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm just heads down right now and I'm not taking calls or, um, you know, sorry, you're, you're, uh, this, this company that you want to build doesn't fit my thesis for X, Y, and Z. And so I'm passing and I'm out, you know, completely out. Um, so almost mm-hmm. just being a little bit, I guess it's just being a little bit more honest with the other person of like, why, uh, why I'm saying what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think honestly, it probably feels better because you don't feel like you're yeah. getting people on. I think there's, there's been a lot going on on Twitter where it's like, oh, when I was coming up, it, so many people were nice to me and now you got to give back. And it's, I, I think your point is, is pretty spot on, like giving back can be the crazy helpful newsletter that you yeah. write every week that takes you hours to write, or it can be you sharing content on, on Twitter. And I think it's like, I'm happy to have a coffee with somebody that feels like they're coming up, but the guy that's doing $20 million in revenue um, that wants to pick totally. my brain is not there's, necessarily. There's so many times too, well, I'll just take know. calls with people um, because, you know, I, I'm like, oh, this person like genuinely wants to, to uh, do cool shit and I can sense that and I'll happily, you know, go grab coffee or whatever. Uh, but also I think there's a, an, a weird, um, there's a weird perception that like everybody just sits around and waits for you to hit them up to get on the phone. Uh, you know, like my calendar is already booked day to night. It's not like I have an empty calendar and I'm refusing to take your call because I don't want to talk to you. Uh, in fact, normally what I say to those things is like, Hey, I I can't get on a call, but shoot me like email me, whatever you want. Or if it's on Twitter, like tell me on DM or, um, uh, you know, like, like text me, here's my number, shoot me a text. Let's text about it. We don't have to be on an active phone call or on an active zoom call. Like you can send me a voice note or you can send me a text. You can send me an email. There's so many people that uh, send me emails and I'll just, uh, I help in any way I can because it's so much easier for me to help them by like typing versus, all right, now I got to get on the call and, you know, talk, you know, it's, then it's a block too. It's like a 30 minute block. But a lot of times, uh, you know, just even recently, somebody was like, Hey, can we get on a call? I said, no, but, um, shoot me or shoot, just tell me over email. You know, I'm happy to help you by email. Tell me your question and I'll see if I can help you in any way. And they said, um, Oh, okay. No worries at all. Uh, I was just wondering how do I do this? And also, do you know any investors that are looking to, to fund this? And it's like, I answered his question and then I connected him with two people and that was, that replaced 30 minutes. It was a lot more efficient. And, um, also he got his thing much faster than me saying, uh, you know, me acting like a dick and saying, Oh, uh, I can get you in three weeks. Yeah. Good, good call. And right. then hopefully he doesn't follow up in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think it's super interesting. Like 
obviously I'm not putting out as much value as you are, but like Eli and I are trying as well. And like I, we're, we're doing it to help, but like obviously Eli and I and Nick, I mean, you're gotta be the busiest guy, but like Eli and I have literally like full-time jobs, like trying to run this brand and like people will be like, Oh, like, We'll just hop in DM and be like, I got one last week. Like, oh, hey, and your quiz flows. Do you have one email or six? And they, they asked me like six like in-depth personal questions about like our emails and our quiz flow. And I was just like, I was kind of like, kind of like the nerve to like ask this. I'm like, dude, I want to help you. Like, I'd be happy to answer these on MentorPass. But like, I just feel like sometimes people think that they're like owed something. You know what I mean? Without like, yeah. giving anything in return. And I'm so much more willing to help and answer those questions if it's somebody I've interacted with, whether it's just through chit, Twitter and chatted with and I, somebody who I see yeah. who's out there helping other people. But sometimes it's like somebody I've never even interacted with or like, I don't know anything about. It's like, why should I, why, why should I take the time to do this one? Like I've got a to-do list of all these other things I got to do. Yeah. Back to the beginning of the episode that I think we, we hit on this, but I, I think it, it's ringing true for me throughout this conversation is like by saying yes to, almost anything you're saying no to something else and something saying no to something else doesn't have to mean I'm saying no to a different call. It can mean I have five minutes between two meetings that I want to just meditate and catch a vibe. And I'm saying no, because I'll have to answer your email where you ask me everything about my life. Um, and I think it's, it's, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Most of us are nine to nine, uh, operators. Um, not going to say we're in the trenches cause we're clickety clack, but I mean, we're, we, we have yeah. full-time jobs and what we do, you know, like I know Nick is writing his newsletter on a Sunday. Like he's like spending a few hours on a Sunday writing a newsletter. I, I know that I am busy on weekends writing this newsletter that I'm excited about, but I, I mean, yeah, we do this for ourselves, but we also, we're saying yes to something. We're saying no to something else. And I think that's a, it's a solid yeah. note to end on. Um, I'm about to get dark in this room um it's 8 32 on a, like a monday. tuesday monday namaste um, yeah strong, strong monday, monday energy i it's felt like it was good. putting out fires all day it's giving i swear monday. it was a monday it was a tall monday it's even worse because you missed out the monday you had like yeah. a seven day weekend i'm no mathematician but it feels like this it weekend was. was forever and now we have the shortest week and i Everything I've said no to in the last six months, I said, I'm going to do it oh. in June. So I have like oh, June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th. I'm just going to toss my, I'm going to toss know what my I computer at the glass door um, and hope that. On Sunday nights, I learned this from Jesse Poogee. Um, he, I don't exactly know his method, but essentially what he does is like a full calendar on it. He just looks at his calendar and says, yeah, I don't want to do that. And I don't want to do that. Uh, and that brings me no value. And that's a waste of my time. Yeah. It's like a Marie Kondo. Clean it up. And so Does that's it spark what I joy? do now is every Sunday I look at my calendar and I just say, um, you know, I agreed to that meeting three weeks ago for some sales pitch of a headless CMS. That's just not worth my time right now. And there's <laughs> other things that are a lot more pressing um, that are significantly more important. And so I'm just going to cancel that. Wait, are you interested no, in the headless right CMS? <laughs> yeah. Can I, can oh, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I, I got to do that. I, what I did this past weekend is I used Superhuman too, and I just snoozed all my stuff till today. And I was feeling great. I'm like, all right, catch oh, up. That's almost awesome. back to inbox zero. But then, no, this morning I got like 15 oh. emails. Yeah. Oh, 15. <laughs> that's cute. You got oh, hit. I don't even want to know. Dude. <laughs> 15. I was at I 15, know. dude. I don't want to know. What did you wake up to this well, morning? Well, so Mr. I Charles? have, I, I separated out. Um, I have important, I have work week stuff. I have a couple of newsletters in, in one tab and then I have other. 
So other, I almost always just command A, delete, um, pretty much instantly. <laughs> and then, and, and I'll just kind of scroll through it and see if there's anything important. But like, usually it's like, you know, if I scroll through right now, I see berries, 101 domain, wink, um, StockX, Microsoft, super coffee, uh, you know, some like, uh, music industry charts, uh, newsletter, just a bunch of random stuff. Oh, Olipop's in here too. And I'll just literally, yeah. That sparks joy. A new flavor. So that is, that to me is exciting. So like, that's one that I would see. And then should I drop the flavor? That's up to you, man. Do you think I'll get canceled if I drop a flavor exclusive on, on our podcast? (laughs) It's I'm going to drop it. Who's going to, who's going to cancel me? It's banana cream. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, the email creative does look like banana creamy. So that makes sense. It's going to be exciting. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it's been in the, in the pipeline for forever. It's a collaboration oh, with the wow. minions. He's really giving the whole thing. So right. That's first. awesome. That's dope. By the time this podcast comes out, I feel yeah, like it'll probably. be announced already. So I, I just know that it's been, it's been in the work yeah. for forever and, and in case uh Ollie Pop lawyers are listening where can they send the cease and desist what's your address <laughs> send it to it's it's cody's address yeah. it's our llc it's uh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah probably like a hundred emails a day in the important tab that require a response so like right now i'm at 44 and my goal is that by the time i log off i'm at you know 10 9 do you do it at like all hours? Do you wow. block well. email? How do you get through them? Oh, all right. So this is my nightly routine. Uh, if there's no dinner, then, uh, which usually Monday, Tuesday, I don't do anything in the evening because my goal is entirely to just work. Um, and so usually what I'll do is I'll just throw on like a, an hour long set from Zed or Elenium or something like that. And then I just crank. I just sit at this desk and crank on emails, emails and Slack and, crushing the to-do list, hustling and grinding and yeah. Straight up, straight yeah. up. Amazing. Incredible. I mean, grind the grind we'll, just like we'll, these let's there. Uh, we got to let this guy get back to his grind. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, it's been, it's been a pleasure. I mean, I, I honestly can't think of anyone else we'd rather uh, break our podcast virginity with. And it's dude, it's Likewise. been, it's been a pleasure. It felt, it felt like a, like a, couple of good yeah. friends catching up we didn't um, even bring up the group but thanks and they'll dude we yeah one question there one question well, shout out to the to group chat twitter is how many group chats are you in and what's your favorite one it's a good question um wow all right so on a daily basis there's one two three four five six uh seven eight probably damn i'm honored eight to group chats oh no nine Nine group chats, but I'm not yeah. always responding to everything, you know, um, but they are, they are all entertaining. I think one thing that I, that I, that I learned during the pandemic, just being alone for so long, I was like, these group chats to just like, it's like having a comedy always on in every group chat, you know? And so like, why yeah. not yeah, at least be a part of them? And, uh, and so I became a huge advocate for having yeah. good group chats during, uh, during the pandemic. Because uh, they also lead to just amazing FaceTime, group FaceTimes later. But, um, but also they're just like so fun. And like, you know, everybody, everybody's obviously working and, and busy, but uh, there's always time for a couple of, couple of fun messages here and there. 
Yeah, I love that we don't really talk about anything serious at all. It's like it's a bunch of people that are working super hard on DTC stuff, and there's like yeah. pretty much nothing serious in ours, which is great. Yeah, I think he skipped yeah, the which, second half. Oh, which one's the favorite? Damn. Um, I, wow. I would say ours, the the big one from Miami. Down That's probably convert. keeps me laughing the most Easy. all day. It does. Yeah. Shout out to Shrey. Uh, well, a special special shout out to Shrey. Special shout out to all our to all our BFFs, and obviously a special shout out to our sponsors, Wayflyer. Big shout out to Wayflyer. Um, I'm a thanks huge for making this possible. I remember huge. Um, there you go. You a heard few it here first. Ago, I one of my portfolio companies is Canopy, the humidifier, and um, you know they were like. Yep. Uh, I think the context was they were thinking of going to raise a small bridge. And I was like, Oh, have, have you looked into Wayflyer, you know, before deciding to do this as an equity raise? And they were like, No, what's Wayflyer? And so connected them with Patty at Wayflyer, who's just a legend of a human being. I don't know if you guys have met Patty yet. Yeah, we met Patty. Dude, they're the whole yep. team is great. Yeah. Dude, met him in Patty Miami. Is just, Patty's one of the funniest guys. Uh, and you know, within, within a couple of days, he had a million dollars at his disposal, uh, at a ridiculously low rate, uh, 1.2%, something like that. Mm. Um, but it was, it was insane for their business and obviously they're a great partner and it's a great sponsor. Well, there you go. Wayflyer, you can cut that out and run that, run go. that as a Facebook ad. Um, Nick's yeah, camera's a little purpose. bit grainy, but mm-hmm. Other than that, I feel like it it feels like UGC. (laughs) Well, yeah, again, special thanks. And dude, it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been a blast chatting. So your newsletter, I know you're doing a podcast. Yeah, I will. Where um, where can people find you? uh, I'll plug my newsletter. So if you learned anything from me in this podcast, please subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, Everything I put out is free. The newsletter is a great way to um, hear any of the thoughts that I have throughout the week. And also, uh, if you subscribe, it helps me out. And so, and it doesn't cost you a thing. So go do that. It's nick.co slash email, nik.co slash email. And it's an amazing newsletter. I think we read it every single week. I'm pretty sure everyone, you know, watching, listening to this podcast reads it. But if for whatever reason you don't, definitely subscribe. It, you will learn so much. Thank you, sir. Fact. Um, there we go. 